So we are diving straight into our fourth class on Chaloimois, on dreams. We are learning Mesech de Brachis. We are up to page 55, Daf Nun Hei, Da Amid Beis. And for those of us who are using the art scroll Gemaris, we are up to 55b2. 55b2, we are in the left column in the middle of the column. Okay. Now we're going to continue to learn various actions that people could take if one feels troubled by a dream that they had. Omar Barami says the Amoira Rafuna Barami in the name of Omar Rabbi Pedas, who said what we're quoting now in turn in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that Horoya Chaloim Venafshay Agumon. If a person sees a dream and the person's soul feels distressed, so what should one do? So the person should go and have it interpreted in the presence of three people. Now right away the Gemara counters. asks the Gemara. So the person really have the dream interpreted? Didn't we learn we already learned it together that that a dream that has not been interpreted is is like a letter that has not been read. And when we learned that statement of Rabchizda, we explained that you don't take this literally. You know, if you get a letter and you don't read it, just because you're burying your head in the sound, in the sand, it's not gonna avoid whatever it is that's written in the letter if it's true. But we explained the meaning of Rabchizda's statement that being that a dream, even a prophetic dream, which is you picking up and therefore bringing down some koyach that's coming from a place above the physical, you're bringing it down into the world, the fact that you saw it in your dream means it's not yet here. And it is only when you give words to it, the words actually allow that energy to fully calm down, because we said that words are the medium between Ruchnius and Gashmias, which also means that if you're not going to give any words to it, then it will never be able to properly materialize in this world. So why should you have it interpreted? You're, you're taking a risk. The person might interpret it bad. Why not leave it, leave it uninterpreted at all? So the Gemara amends, we clarify the statement that we are just quoting. Ela Ema, what they really said was Yitivenu, the person should remedy it, remedy the dream in the presence of three people. Now, no one should ask, again, why should we even remedy it? Just don't give any words to it. Well, that's not a correct uh, approach. Because yes, words is the medium, and it is when you have the words, then will the energy of the dream be able to manifest in the physical world. But even if a person speaks nothing about that dream, so you're not giving it any, any uh, tool, any garment for it to manifest on the physical world, but it's out there somewhere. It is, if, if it is a non-positive dream, then there is a non-positive energy. The advantage of interpreting the dream in a way where you're doing yitivenu from taiv, in other words, you're remedying it. When you interpret the dream, as we're going to start unpackaging a lot about dream interpretations in the subsequent weeks. But once you learn how to properly interpret the dream, then what you actually do is, is you transform, 
you transform that energy that up until your interpretation, the energy was a non-positive energy, and through your positive interpretation, you changed it into something positive. So absolutely, it's advantageous for you to have it properly interpreted for the good. Now, if you have to choose between not giving any words to it or giving negative words to it, then for sure, nothing is better. Silence is better. But even better than silence is it having yiti venu. Remedy it by having it properly interpreted. Now, before we get into the specifics, again, that we're going to learn in a couple of... We're going to learn a lot about specifics. There is a general intro that needs to be said. And this will also lead us into... Um, what many can call a lachash. The word lachash literally means a whisper. Lachash refers to certain statements that we make that fall into the category of an incantation. An incantation, many people wrongfully associate with some sort of dark art um, uh, koyach, saying incantations. That's not true. Saying incantations could be used by people for something not positive, but there is a tremendous positive effect of saying certain statements. And especially when you say them a little bit silently. Now, what the Gemara is saying now doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying something silently, but as we're going to start learning the sugya, we're going to be reading many statements that sometimes should be said in a silent voice. Saying something silently allows words to be spoken without any opposition. I think this is called on the psychological in the psychological world as subliminal subliminal messages. In other words, that when you hear something, but your conscious mind did not fully pick it up because it was so silent, then it's going to have even a bigger effect on you because you didn't put up a barrier. So we begin the dream interpretation by doing the following: Bring three people. Many people hold that these three people should be people that are your friends which means that they should have a positive feeling towards you. Others also opine that when possible, the three people should be one Koyan, one Levi, one Yisrael, but this is the last layer on top of the, the last uh, cherry on top of the cake. The main thing is three. Even better if the three are Chaveidim. Even better if you can get from all these three categories. And you should tell them, not I had a dream, which is a very generic statement. Certainly not, ooh, I had a bad dream. Never say that yourself. You begin addressing the Beisdin, the three people, by telling them, I saw a good dream. Now, if you would not be concerned about it, then you would not gather them. So here, we're, 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 we, again, we're just getting this concept, you know, the, the Hasidic... Um, the Hasidic concept of always going going from the lowest level back up to the highest level, say it is a good dream, they're going to say more words and ultimately the dream will be interpreted that's good and you will, you will even understand that it's good. But you begin first by saying, I saw a good dream. And, and the the three people respond to you Listen to the words that they should say. We call this alachash because these words are very meaningful. And don't skip any of these words. Tava hu, which means it is good. Vitava laheve, and may it be good. Rachmana l'shavye l'tav. May the one who's merciful, the merciful one refers to God Almighty. 
but we are calling God here as the merciful one because the Midah of Tiferes, the Midah of mercy, has a transformative power as we'll speak more details in a moment. May the merciful one transform it for the better. Sheva zimnin ligazru Allah. May it be decreed upon you seven times, min shamayir from the heavens, the lehevi tova, that it be good. And may it indeed be good. Imagine, there are some peoples that say that this itself should be repeated seven times. You know, it's even before you went into details, if that's important, we'll get to that much later again. We'll get to it a lot later. But just you addressing the basin. I saw a good dream. And them responding like we mentioned, Tavahu v'tavalehevi. This in itself already brings down the dream in a good way and it also transforms its energy, also into a positive energy. And now we continue. The Beisden, now that they gave this intro, they are to recite three verses. Verses is when we're quoting something from scripture, meaning from Tanakh. They're going to quote three psukim that we found that we find throughout Tanakh that speak about something that was transformed from bad to good. Then they're going to quote three verses that speak about Piduyois, verses of Pidyoin. Pidyon means redemption. Because really, as Hasidah says, even bad in its core is good. But something went off. And it's manifesting in an unhealthy way. So when you transform bad into good, you are redeeming it. You are redeeming the essence, the core, the good spark. And then three verses, three verses of peace. And now the Gemara tells us what three verses to say. I want you to know that in many Sidurim, this Gemara is quoted. And until nowadays, there are people that do it. That means when people have a dream and they feel very not good about it, so they get abased in, and, and, and they go through this conversation, but they're quoting verbatim, before they speak about the dream, everything that we're reading right now. Now, the first three verses are, are psukim called hafuchais, from hafuch. Hafuch means transformative verses. And we're going to find something very interesting. And let me tell you the following. Generally, when we quote psukim, I think most of us are familiar with quoting verses in davening in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah which is filled with shenemar, venemar, venemar, psukim, psukim, psukim. Because we have to quote ten psukim that God is a king, and, and ten psukim that God remembers, and ten psukim about shoifar. But the seder of quoting verses is always, first quote a pasik from Torah, then a pasik from Nevi'im, and then a pasik from Ksuvim. Now, if you don't have verses spread out throughout all of the three parts of Tanakh, nothing wrong with that. But if you're quoting verses from different parts of Tanakh, we always, with exceptions, here is an exception, but the rule is prioritize. It's all God's Torah, it's all the written Torah, but at the end of the day, Torah is on a level on itself. The highest level of Torah is the Torah that, that we have from Moshe, Hamishe Chumshe Torah. Then one, lever, one layer, one level beneath it is Nevi'im, and then Ksuvim. And here we're going to quote verses in the opposite order. And I'll give you a, a perhaps reason in a moment. So first we quote a Pasuk in Tehillim. Tehillim is part of Ksuvim. Tehillim, capital Lamed, where David HaMelech says that that you, God, you transformed my lament into dancing for me. 
Pitachto saki, you undid my sackcloth, sackcloth, vata azreni simcha, and you girded me with gladness. Gavaldik. That's Tehillim. Ksuvim. Then the second verse that's quoted is a pasuk in Yirmiyo. Yirmiyo is Nevi'im. It says, "Oh, tismach besula b'mochel," that then the maiden will rejoice with a dance. Ubechurim uzekenim yachtav, and young men and old men shall rejoice together. Then, meaning when Mashiach will come, and the hafachti avlam, and God says that I will transform their mourning, lesosing to joy, etc., etc. So that's the second verse. Quoting from the Vim. And the final of the three of Hafuchais is a verse from the portion Kiseitse. That's Torah, Hamishikum Shetorah, where it says, when God is, when Moshe Rabbeinu is reminding us that Bilam wanted to curse us. And not only did God not allow him to say the negative, but actually he said positive, there was a transformation, as it says in the verse, that Hashem the Hashem was unwilling to listen to Bilam. And what happened was, and God transformed, right, for our sake, his blessings into a curse, his curse into a blessing. So here you have three psukim, and I'm sharing that maybe the reason why we go out of the order is because we're trying to transform. Hafuch means opposite. You're turning everything upside down. So even the seder of the three psukim is upside down. Davket, nevi'im, nevi'im, and perhaps. Then we continue quoting three verses that declare how God is the one who redeems us. It's called Shalosh Peduyos, three verses of redemption. First one here again, we're beginning with Tehillim. Here also we're going backwards, even though we covered the Hafuchais, but there's a Hafuchais in everything. That he redeemed my soul in peace from the many battles against me. Second verse, First is Tehillim. The second one is Yeshayahu. That's Nevi'im. Where it says, Ufduye Hashem Yeshuvim. That the redeemed of God will return. Right? And we're going to come back to Tzinyan with tremendous joy, with tremendous song. And now, the third one. Now here we don't have a verse in Chumash, but we're going backwards in the order of Nevi'im itself. Yeshaya is later. Shmuel is earlier. The third one is the earliest one. Apostle and Shmuel. Where the, what happened over there was that there was a whole story there that we were about to wage war against the Palishtim. And Shaul made everyone take an oath that we will not eat food until the evening. We're going to fast. His son, Yohaina's son, was not aware of that oath. And everyone was adjured. Everyone was, was, was involved in that oath. He didn't know about it. And he had, he found some honey. He was hungry from the battle. He tasted some honey. When Shoal Amelech heard what happened, he was so upset at his son that he judged him to death. And when people heard that, they reacted. That by Yomir HaAmel Shoal, the people t- turned to Shoal, were moving on, for those who have the book, to page 55b3, all the way to the left, on top left, Hayonus and Yamus. Right? Should Yonason die? Asher Asa HaYeshua, he was the one that achieved the great salvation. There was big miracles in that battle that came about through Yonason. So here again, there was a redemption that happened and nothing happened to Yonason. Now the final set of three, the three verses that speak about Shalom. Shalom is the highest level of transformation, as I'll explain in a moment. Because it says, now the first verse is in Yeshaya. Here it's interesting order. We're going Yeshaya, Nevi'im, 
Divrei Hayamim Ksuvim, and we're going to go then back to Shmuel. Back, forth, and back. I'll explain why in a moment. Perhaps a suggested reason. The first verse is the Pasuk in Yeshayim, that this is all about what's going to happen when Mashiach will come. God says, I will create a new speech of the lips. Shalom, shalom, peace, peace, to those who are far, and to those who are near. Omar Hashem, says Hashem, and I will heal the Jewish people. That's verse number one. That's verse number two, quoting from Divrei Hayyamim, that a spirit came upon Amasai and he acknowledged the greatness of David HaMelech. And now, verse number three, which is a Pasuk in Shmuel, so we went Nevi'im, Ksuvim Nevi'im, Fa'amartem Koilochai, and he, he, it was said to him that Koilochai, which means such success for life, that Va'ato Sholoim, that peace upon you, and peace upon the, your household, right? And the and the verse continues to give various blessings of peace upon the individual, upon the collective, upon the family, and ultimately upon all the Jewish people. I just want to explain something that uh, that that the concept of peace is the highest level of transformation. You know, we have so many teachings. Rabbi Ginsberg always celebrates one of the foundational teachings of the Baal Shem Tev, that there are three steps. You have to first suppress the evil, then you have to separate the good from the evil, and then you are able to elevate the evil. So first, we are we are saying what you saw was good. Then there's a certain redemption of the evil itself. And peace ultimately means when the enemy becomes your friend. It's such a great transformation. So you're going back and forth. You're going you're going you're going to the good side. You're, you're suppressing the bad side, you're focusing on the good side, and then you go back and you completely elevate, the bad itself becomes good. But in any event, these this is the lachash, these are the verses that a basin should say towards someone who feels that they had a bad dream, who opens up their words also never saying that. Fakert, they say, I saw a good dream, and by quoting all of these verses, these are the words that have the koyach, a spiritual power, not only to make positive words in which this energy will manifest here in a positive way, but it's also going to transform beruchnius that negative that the negative energy. If indeed the dream was of a negative nature, okay. Now the Gemara says like this: that Ameimar, the name of one Amoira, Umar Zutra, the name of a second Amoira, Veravashi, and a third Amoira. They were sitting together. And they said, one said to the other, that each one of us should say something that the other ones never heard. Now that's a very important intro. Because if they would have been asking each other to quote what we would call then how would one know what the other doesn't? But if I'm going to be quoting something that's not connected to the halacha part of Torah, not connected to nigla of Torah, it's connected to the concealed part of the Torah, and up until the times of the Arizal, the whole inner part of the Torah was taka concealed. And if you didn't have a teacher that taught it to you, you would not know it. So each person had certain secrets of the Torah that he knew that only he knows, or he knew who else knows and who else does not know. And here, these three are challenging, asking each other that each one should share such a secret of the Torah. 
they knew it's a secret. They knew that what they will share, others did not. So Pasak Chad One of them, we don't even say who. It's a secret. It's a secret of discussion over here. One of them opened up and he said the following: That Hai Man the If someone had seen a dream, and Vilayada my and the person does not know what he saw. In other words, it might be not good. So he's going through a whole different thing that you do. Until now, we learned about putting together a basin. Now he's giving you even something more powerful. And that is, when you are standing anyways in front of the Kahanim, at the time that they spread out their hands, when the Kahanim spread out their hands, when they're giving Birchas Kahanim. So while the Kahanim are giving the Bracha, you, the person who fears that they might have seen a non-positive dream, should recite the following prayer. And this is what they say. I know many of us are familiar with these words because indeed, Minak Chabad is to say it during Berchaz Kahan. But now you know the source. Brach is page 55. The master of the universe. I am yours. And my dreams are yours. I have dreamt a dream. But I don't know what it is. And then the person adds, Whether I have dreamt a dream about myself, whether my companions had dreamt a dream about me, as we learned last week, right about David HaMelech, he himself never had a bad dream about himself, but other people had dreams about David that were not positive, as we learned last week. Whether I have dreamt something about others that's not positive. So we say it like this. If the dreams are indeed good, strengthen them. Fortify them. Like the dreams of Yosef. As we also learned last week, his dreams came to full fruition. Aside of the mother part. Itaka took 22 years. But it came to fruition. And if they need to be remedied, why do they need to be remedied? Again, because this is a dream that, without any interpretation, begashmias, they won't manifest. But beruchnias, there's something not positive. Then, refoyim kimeimara al-yidei heal them. And we give various examples of history where something became healed. The bitter waters that were healed through the hand of Moshe, if you remember, right after the miracle of the splitting of the sea, we are, we are camped in a location where there was a body of water. This was before the miracle of the rock. But the waters were bitter. So when Moshe Rabbeinu threw in the rock a piece of wood, that's the pshat, and it transformed the bitterness, it became sweet waters. Gavaldik. So heal us the way you healed the waters of mother through Moshe. Heal us, when Miriam, as recorded at the end of the portion of Baha Aloischa, spoke non positive words about Moshe, she and really also Aaron became afflicted with leprosy, and God healed her. God healed her. And, and like you healed Chizkiyo from his illness. So Chizkiyo, the king, became very ill. Not only did he become very ill, but the prophet Yeshayo came to him and told him that God told me to tell you that you will not get better. You're going to die from this illness. And the greatness of Chizkiyo was that even though he heard a prophecy, 
we just mentioned recently that prophecies for the negative could be overturned through tshuva. Chizkiyo was really criticized for the fact that he didn't get married. The reason why he did not get married is because Chizkiyo foresaw that his children will be wicked. So he, didn't, he did not want to bring into the world wicked children. Rishoyim. And Yeshayo told Chizkiyo that even though that you have the spiritual uh, power to see into the future a bit, but you are obligated to keep the mitzvahs. In other words, if God commands every Jew, which he does, to procreate, you got to procreate. Now the fact that it's going to turn out that from your descendants they'll be Rishoyim, he says that's God's business, don't mix into God's business. Chizkiyo did tshuva. He actually married Yeshayo's daughter because he was hoping that between his holiness and his wife's holiness, then his children indeed will not become wicked, which they became wicked anyways, sadly. But he did such a tshuva that God healed Chizkiyo and he lived another 15 years. And that's the highest level of healing because here there was already a nevuah spoken that something bad was going to happen. He was, he was destined to die then. He davened. And God right away came to Yeshaya and he told Yeshaya, go tell Chizkiyo that he will live. And then we go further. And like you, God healed the waters of Yerichai through Elisha, which is a fascinating story. Some details, as always, is written clearly in Nach. Some details are actually mentioned in the Gemara Saita, page 46, page 47. At a certain time in our history, during the life of Elisha, the prophet people in the city of Yericho began to die. It was a plague. And they understood that they're getting ill from something that was happening in the waters. In the waters nearby. And, 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 uh, Elisha came there and he took salt and he threw the salt in the waters and that mamish healed the waters and no one was going to die anymore. And that had a lot of consequences because during that time of that plague, there were a few people there that they had access to other natural, healthy, clean water sources. And they were making a financial killing, they say, selling it. And when Yerich, and when Elisha, so to say, he fixed, he healed the local waters, so they lost their livelihood and they were taking advantage of it. And they were very angry at him. And many miracles happened, like Moedidika miracles. Elisha Davin, they were going to hurt him. So he davened and God created the forest and from the forest came out bears and the bears ate them up. All the people that were trying to harm Elisha. But coming back over here, that Elisha, it was a miracle. He threw salt into water and the waters got healed. And then we say, Just like you, God, transformed the curse of the wicked Bilam into a blessing. So God transformed. Kol all my dreams regarding myself, like whether I had it on myself, whether you had it on yourself, dreams that I had about you, lit for goodness. Now we're not done yet. When do you say? Yeah, Basi. Um. Okay, but it's gonna go a little bit off topic. Sorry. So, wait, can you can you hold the thought? I, just, I don't. I don't understand why. Um. If Yechaskel. Like he purposely didn't get married because he knew Chizkiyo. his descendants were going to be Rishayim, then why would he, when the prophecy was that he was going to die, why did he choose to do Teshuvah? Meaning, wouldn't if he's like not getting married and not having children, wouldn't he rather die than have descendants Rishayim if that's what he really wanted? Okay, he, he, a Jew wants to do what God wants. 
He thought by not getting married that he's not violating God's rule. He thought that since he knows his children will be to show him, so he should not have kids. When God told him that you're going to die because you did not get married, a Jew wants to do the mitzvah. So in other words, God wanted him to get married. Even though that man that he would bring into the world to show him. But that was God's, that's God's cheshman. And a person always right. wants to do what God wants. Okay, but it, I don't see it as a great miracle that he lived an extra 15 years because it's a great miracle. that was part of God's plan. Like God wants... No, 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 no. Wait, 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 one second, one second. If, if, he, if he would not have done tshuva, then Hitaka would have died without children. And then God would have to figure out how to bring about those wicked people into the world through other families. That's just a side point. I just gave you a little bit of a story behind the story. The point of Chizkiyo, these are from the rare instances, we also have this by Yoyna, that even though a prophecy was already spoken about something bad, it was transformed. Okay, and, and no, other... I know. I know I went off topic. Okay, okay. so let's come back over here. Now, what, one thing is very important, coming back to Birchaz Kahanim, that this prayer should be said, this is all what this one Amayda sharing a secret. Umesayim bahade kahane. You should finish saying this prayer as the Kahanim finished their bracha. Why? Because when the Kahanim finished the bracha, what does everyone say? Amen. If you're going to finish your prayer just together with the Kahanim, then everyone's Amen won't only go to the Birchas Kahanim. The Amen, which further brings into the world whatever it is you're saying Amen about, the Amen will go on your prayer as well. The Anitzibura Amen. And furthermore, it's so important for you to finish together that the Eloi, if you didn't know how to synchronize it properly, returning now to page 55b4, and you finished saying this prayer a moment or two prior to the Kahanam finishing the last word of the blessing. So then add another tefillah. You have to finish speaking together with the word Shalom. And what is that tefillah? We happen to say this nowadays also after Birchas Kahanim. I know by the men's side when we're still under the talus. This is fascinating. One of the ways we address God is calling him Adir. Adir means the mighty one. Bamarim is up high, the, the mighty one up high. Shoichen bigvura, the one who dwells in power. The one who dwells in gvura. Ato sholem, you are peace. Veshimcha sholem, and your name is peace. Peace is the ultimate transformation of. Bad unto good. Yehiratzim ilfanecha, may it be your will. Shatasim olenu shalom. Now let me explain to everyone the advantage, the secret of the second thing we learned today versus the first. Abazedin, has a lot of power. Has a lot of power. It's not just when you have three Jews, especially if they learn it, so they know information to render a halachic ruling. It's much, much more than that. Even when one individual Rav is saying up Sagdin, there's a certain power in that, which is why we're not allowed to go rabbi hopping. If you ask a rabbi a theoretical question, then you can go rabbi hopping, it's a mitzvah. Find out this approach, find out that approach. But when you have an actual shayla and you ask it, knowing you want to know, is it good or not good? Whoever the rabbi is, is channeling with the psak din, there's a certain bringing down into the world, that's the way it has to be. Amplify that when there's a basin. So Bakhlal, gathering a basin, a basin is, is, an, is, a, is a tool that has the power to seal something halachically into this world. And even though this is not a halachic case, but getting three Jews to make the declaration, that is gewaldic.
The secret now is, is that there is one part of our religious life which is even greater and stronger than a basin. And what is that? Birchas Kahanim. And this is something that Hasidus explains beautifully. We have generally two things. We have prayer, tefillah, and we have bracha, which is a blessing. And Hasidus emphasizes that they're very different. A bracha means that something is already in the spiritual world there. It's not manifesting in the physical world. And a bracha is the koyach to bring it down from high up to down here below. In other words, when a person goes to a tzaddik or to your fellow Jew, give me a bracha, and the person blesses you, the koyach of a bracha is not to create some new power in the spiritual world. That's not what bracha does. What bracha does is that there are many things that are there for you already. But the system, the, the ruchni is like a piping system is clogged up. And something that's meant to happen here is simply not manifesting. And the bracha is that power to unclog the pipes. That's the meaning of a bracha. Which is why there are stories, not many, but there are stories, that people go to a tzaddik and they ask for a bracha and the tzaddik doesn't give the bracha. Because if the tzaddik sees that even beruchnius, even in the root, even in the source, that which you are asking for is not there, then they have no place from where to bring it down. They can't give a bracha. That's a bracha. On the other hand, contrast a bracha to tefillah. Hasidus explains that tefillah begins where bracha ends. Which means that tefillah, one of the classical openers to many tefillahs are the words, Yehi Ratzain milfanacha. May it be your will. Hasidus interprets that we are asking for God that even if as of yet you don't have such a will, may you create a new will, a new desire. In other words, tefillah reaches to a much higher place than bracha. Tefillah has the potential of actually creating something that doesn't exist even on the highest spiritual worlds. However, tefillah doesn't always work. Tefillah is something that we are asking of God. God can say no. Baracha always works. If something is already beruchnius and a bracha is given, that thing will come down. Tefillah is much greater than bracha, but tefillah won't necessarily create something new. Birchas Koyhanim explains the Rebbe, explains Hasidus, is the only thing we have in Yiddishkeit that is both a tefillah and a bracha. Birchas Koyhanim creates something new up on high, and it already brings it all the way down into this world. There is nothing more powerful than Birchas Koyhanim. So he says that when you are trying to transform a dream into something that's positive, if, this is continuing with what we began today's class, that it's not when we learned that Avchizda, that a dream that's not interpreted, it's like a letter that's not read, which means it will not manifest. It doesn't mean, don't think, well, if it's not going to manifest, then just let it be. Well, it's definitely better not to, not to say words if you're going to say bad words. But even though it won't manifest, but there's something already not good. You now, you want to transform something negative into something positive. Just benching someone won't do it. 
benching means that which is beruchnius, you bring down begashmius. If something is good beruchnius, you want to bring it down begashmius. If something is there bad beruchnius, then don't give a brach, don't bring it down, but that doesn't transform it. It's up there in some place, in some universe, there is some negative energy. The concept of tefillah, which is that we can create something new, something new means something new from the deepest levels of godliness. That something from that highest level can be created, and as it works its way down the chain of Ishtalshalos, it can actually transform. It can not only counter and overwhelm, but it can actually with peace, which means you're making the enemy into your friend. It can transform the negative dream into something positive. And again, Amen. And then when you give the words Amen, those words will be the Kali that will channel the transformed now good dream that it should manifest Begashmias. In other words, use the unique Koyach of Birchas Kahanim, because we need that, it's even greater than a Beisden, to transform something not good into good. Now, what we do also learn, a takeaway here, is that you can use Birchas Kahanim for many things as well. In other words, Birchas Kahanim is needed for a not positive dream. But we have other things in our lives that we need to transform. And the best time to daven for it, but learn what, apply what we're learning. Don't think those words, say words, say words towards the end of Birchas Koyhanim, so, and make sure to finish your personal prayer at the same moment that the Koyhanim say the word Shalom, because right after that, everyone answers Amen. Wow. How great is that? So that's secret number one. I think we'll stop over here. And we will continue with secret number two next week with the help of Hashem. That was great. Any questions? Oh man, that was awesome. Thank you so much, oh. Rabbi. That was really inspiring. I felt like, I felt energized.